Welcome to Manager Tools. Meeting Leadership, Six Rules, Part Two. This cast answers these questions. How is leading a meeting different from managing? How do executives behave in meetings? What do leaders focus on in meetings? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. Hey, everyone. This is Dan McGuire, a longtime member of the Manager Tools community. I hope to see many of you at the M Conference in Dallas on October 9th and 10th of this year. In my long career as an executive and now as advisor and coach, I really have learned the value of a diverse and high-powered network. I think this conference is a great opportunity. We'll all be spending time with and learning from leaders who get the deep responsibility of leadership. I've been hoping we would assemble the best of this community. Now it's happening. I'll even be leading a session about leadership in a hostile business environment, as I like to call the hot management landing zone. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope to see you on October 9th and 10th. Please register soon. Okay, Mark. So we're talking about the uh, meeting leadership, six rules. Last week, we talked about the first thing you got to do is get the agenda you want for your leader. Um, that's making sure that your priorities are, are covered in the meeting. Right. Uh, and then once we've done that, we have the next note of prep per person. Yeah, this is something people don't do, particularly uh, if you're familiar with desk high D, high C, non-people-oriented person or people who are less oriented toward people, more oriented toward tasks and logic and analytics. So if you're an IT guy, if you're a software guy, if you're an engineer, if you're an architect, in many cases, if you're a lawyer, lawyers tend to skew high D, high C, unless they're litigators, in which case they're high high. Um, they leave out the the who's going to be at the meeting and how does their presence and my presence in the same place at the same time play out? Oh, my God. So it's not only do I have to recognize that people are there and just be on my game relative to people skills, that I, yes. not that I have any, but you're, you're actually telling me that I'm going to have to actually know each individual that's going to be in attendance? No, if you wanted to be really nitpicky and detail conscious, like I know you are, all you need to do is just prepare. <laughs> just prepare for them. You don't actually have to do anything. You can still go sit in the Just corner. the fact that there's seven of them should be sufficient. It's a number. <laughs> like yes, number. exactly. There are seven. Here are their names. All right. I, I can connect their names, their faces, and but I can still ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, if you're going to be a leader and you're going to be interacting with people that are important to you, then you need to be prepared for a meeting, okay? The management tool that helps you focus your meetings is an agenda. The idea behind an agenda is it uh, serves as a guide and as a an enforcer, if you will, to help a group focus on one thing at a time, okay? But Meeting leaders, if you're managing, then you're thinking about the agenda. If you're a leader, you're not just thinking about the topics on the agenda. You're thinking about the people in the room. And most of us miss this. Uh, I am only good at this about 60% of the time. And I should be 90% of the, the time at this point in my career. And I'm not. Part of the regular value of meetings is face-to-face -face time with key people whom you want to influence. Leaders get that. They're constantly thinking about, okay, who's got to do what by when? People are the engines of everything that happens around here. You don't just work on tasks. You also work with people. 
And and by the way, guys, that's not to suggest that high Ds, high Cs can't be great leaders. They can. But in the same way that a high I, who's more of a people person, still has to know the details of the spreadsheet or the project plan or whatever, the high D or high C, uh, if you want to be a leader, not only has to know every single step in the process and what its cost is and so on, you also need to work on building good relationships with the people around you. And if you say, well, I don't like that, well, okay, then don't be a leader. It's fine. Uh, if you say, well, I'm not really good at it, okay, don't be a leader. That's fine. In the same way, again, that the high eye needs to understand details. And if he or she doesn't want to, that's fine. But don't expect yourself to be hitting home runs because you're not. You have to be able to straddle both sides of the job, the analytical and the emotional, um, if you want to be a true professional in your role, which is doing more than just what you want to do, what you like to do. You also have to do what you need to do. As Drucker says, executives are supposed to know what their job is, and they're supposed to do their job regardless of their desires. And look, if you're a longtime listener, you probably figured out part of prep per person by listening to our Hall of Fame cast, how to pre-wire a meeting. Um, you don't go into a meeting if you're making a presentation upon which there's going to be some discussion and potentially a vote or um, an approval or a recommendation. You don't go into that meeting without talking to each person individually, presenting your deck, if you will, using ugly but necessary shorthand, verbal shorthand there. Um, you don't go into that meeting without having given everybody a chance to give you input on the deck so that when you present, everybody already knows what's coming and you've modified your presentation to make everybody happy. Um, and that's a function of being prepped per person. Um, taking that a little further for each of your meetings and, and guys, face-to-face -face meetings make this a lot easier, but this can be done on teleconferences and video conferences and so on. There are two questions you want to be asking yourself before the meeting. Who's going to be there? You got to know who's invited to the meeting, check the distro. That's one of the beauties of having an agenda. Then compare that list to the agenda. Make sure that the people who need to be there for the topics being covered are going to be there. And look, if you're the meeting leader, if they're not there, if they're not invited, invite them. If they're not able to come, get them to send a second who will provide their input or have them give that second the authority to approve or recommend or move the work forward. The more people you add to meeting, the slower the meeting goes and the slower the work comes out of it goes because there is diffusion of responsibility and accountability. Uh, if you want things to happen in a particular meeting, you have to have all the right people there and they have to be, they have to know they have the power to do them. So, okay, who's going to be there? And then if you're smart, a leader doesn't just think everybody will do what they're supposed to do. A leader knows, unlike, say, a lot of managers, that each individual there has their own individual desires and wants, and you need to have a sense of what those things are to some degree, so then you can consider when you might be in alignment or, if you'll pardon the expression, misaligned with somebody because you've got to ask yourself the second question, how can their behaviors in this meeting fully support my priorities? 
What do you want these people to do? Do you want them to vote a certain way on a certain thing? Do you want them to provide a certain input? Which topics do you want to ensure that they support? What questions would it be helpful to have them ask? If you've never done this, let's be clear. At the executive level, it's not unusual for somebody to say, hey, make sure you ask the question. When we start talking about Q3, make sure you ask the question about whether or not that that budget's going to be released or not, because right. I know everybody's forgotten about it. Or when I suggest X, I know you're in support of it. Would you please, yeah. please say so? Say yes. Okay, say so. Exactly. Yeah. What topics could that person that you're thinking about potentially support postponing or delaying or speeding up or providing resources for it? And as we've said before, guys, when you look up at the top of your organization, what you call politics, they call collaboration. You can't get anything done at the top of your organization, which is where the leaders tend to be. Uh, and we can have a whole discussion of chicken and the egg on that. And yes, your company is right. All of us are leaders, but only if we behave like it. Um, and the people at the top know they're going to have to do favors to get favors because they'll need favors. They'll need to build a coalition in order to get their pet idea, their recommendation through the the quasi uh dictatorial quasi democratic process known as executive decision making right well i think there's a key, key distinction you've made and i assume the vast majority of people will get this but if you're new to manager tools it may not be clear and that is that you're talking about behavior or you're asking what behaviors will fully support your priorities, not what people think. And I think most of the literature out there, the way people talk about it is, well, you got to get inside the attendee's head. You got to understand how they're thinking, et cetera. And we really don't care, frankly, yeah. what they think. What we care about is what they say or do in the meeting. And it can be from something they say to body language. It could be you know, avoiding eye rolls. <laughs> it could be all sorts of things. But what we care about is what people actually do in the meeting. That whole thing about thinking, people, we say, oh, well, no, if I understand what they think, then I'll be able to predict what they do. No, guys, you won't. What you will do is make the classic mistake when it comes to personality and projecting people's future behaviors. You will think they think X, and I know when I think X, I do Y. But first of all, what you think they think is going to be wrong quite frequently. But the real problem is, what you think other people will do when they think a certain thing, because that's what you would do if you think that thing, is often wrong. And so the combination of making a bad inference and then, in addition, compounding that bad inference by making a bad extrapolation, you might as well flip a coin, whether you're going to be right or not. Uh, maybe even flip a couple of coins and run up. You know, if you can get five heads in a row, then you can go ahead and predict people's behavior in the future based on what they're thinking. Otherwise, you better pay attention to behavior. Okay. Um, now, look, these questions, who's going to be there? How can their behaviors most fully support my priorities? Which ones don't like my priorities that I need to neutralize if possible? These are the same questions you would ask at a meeting you aren't running, that you aren't leading, because you can be a leader at a meeting you're not uh, running, you're not responsible for. Yes, if you're not running the meeting, how other people can support your priorities may have a bit of a smaller answer than if you're running the meeting, but it's it's a valuable questions to ask. 
to, to ask yourself. And guys, we've said it before, it's the most important career tools cast we have. Uh, your, the answers of your colleagues, whomever's in the room, will be more to your liking if you've already spent time building relationships with them. Now, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have relationships with anybody. What do I do? Well, when you start attending a meeting with people you don't know, try not to bury your head in your phone before, during, and after the meeting. Shake a few hands and make a few friends. And I know if you're a high D or high C, you say, well, I, I don't want to do that. I say, okay. And we are back to the old ant and the grasshopper, which is the ant slaves away all summer, who all the grasshopper lays there and enjoys the wonderful summer weather. And then the ant makes it through the winter and the grasshopper dies because the ant is willing to do things that it doesn't want to do in return for the delaying of gratification and grasshopper isn't. So if you only want a job where you do what you like, you're unlikely to become a leader in a mid to large size organization. Uh, now, look, if, if you're one of those people who go into other people's meetings late and harried and you're not prepared, it's the old joke about playing poker. If you can't figure out who's the fish at the table, the fish is you, meaning you're listening to this cast, but if you're the one always running late because you're, quote, too busy, unquote, other people are going to start playing you. The ones who are willing to play chess rather than checkers, or chess rather than poker even, to use a Cold War analogy, um, you're going to end up giving other people what they want at the expense of getting what you want. All ethically, of course, but what they want and what you want are both beneficial to the organization, uh, but some things may not be as beneficial to you. You know, I hesitate to say this because it seems the world becomes more and more politically correct, or put differently, the uh, violation of political correctness rules um, tend to be more and more publicly punished. But I will tell you that a friend of mine who's a very high D once told me when I was walking him through, hey, you need to be a little bit more of a politician. And I shouldn't have said that word with him. He says, yeah, I get it. What you're saying is I should be going into every meeting saying, whose face do I want to see at this meeting and what do I want coming out of their mouth? And I thought, well, yeah, <laughs> okay. That's a high D talking right there. That's exactly how I would say it. You wouldn't hack that way, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Depends. Depends on how tired I am. Um, <laughs> it's a great thing about podcasts. We can edit. So every time you say, I'm not sure I should say this, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I, I, I got it. <laughs> no, you're going to cut that out? <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, good. All right, good. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think most people, we have so many listeners now, I think most people don't realize that if we record, if you don't realize this, folks, if when we record a 30-minute show, as an example, it takes us 30 minutes and five seconds to record it. There's almost no editing. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're in our 15th year of recording now. We've never said a curse word on air. Uh, maybe over all the hours, what is it? You know, you think we basically have 14 years of manager tools, 10 years of career tools. That's 24 years that's basically 25 times 50 weeks of shows times half an hour a show. So it's 25 times 25, 600 and some odd hours, I think. And I would say of those 600 to 1,000 hours of shows, maybe 10 minutes have come out. What do you think, Mike? Maybe more? 
Probably more out of all that time, probably more. But the one thing we take out is we say, hey, hold on, we're not record. you know, we're going to cut this out. And we, you and I have a side conversation about something, cut that out. So I'm not, I'm not, if you don't count that. Oh yeah. Maybe, it maybe it's, it. maybe it is 10 minutes. Matter of fact, I can't remember ever cutting out anything you said or anything I said that we were uncomfortable with. So yeah. So I was kind of just joking about cutting yeah. out folks. Right. What, what you hear is kind of like. It's just out of our mouths to your ears. And for those of you who don't know, since we're talking about podcast production, sorry for the soliloquy here, but just briefly, if you don't realize it, I'm recording at home in Pebble Beach, California. Mike is at home as well. We are not together. We are not sitting in a room smoking cigars, drinking scotch, and talking about management. Uh, in addition, uh, we are doing something in podcasting called Double Ending. We're on a Skype phone call. We're using free or relatively cheap software, and I have a headset on, Mike has a headset on. We're both talking to microphones that are on our desks. We're not recording the phone call. We're recording our own individual voices, and we have an audio engineer, Paul Figiani, who's utterly fantastic, and he takes the two separate soundtracks and puts them on top of one another so that it appears that it's only one conversation. And... The reason why it sounds like we're just chatting is because we have prepared for our time with you, and uh, I have written show notes, detailed show notes, covering every single point. As we often say, it's much like a white paper. And if you would rather read than listen to me blather on on a regular basis, you can become a licensee for $200 a year. And as of right now, the license gives you access to the next year's worth of shows, Manager Tools and Crutules plus a bunch of other stuff, and access to the entire archives of every single show note of every single show, as long as you're a licensee. Wow, that was a long soliloquy, Mike. Yeah, it's nuts. I wish you wouldn't talk so much. That's nuts for 200 I know months. it's nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy. Why would they not sign up? Okay, so where were we? Um, so look, keep in mind, and we'll cover this in a minute, that some of that interaction you're going to have is not going to happen in the meeting. It's going to happen on the shoulders, which we'll talk about in just a second, like I said. Um, and look, you can text or Slack those folks that you've visited with, if you had a chance to visit with them, with reminders of what points you want them making or potential challenges you want them to, to counter if those things come up. I've seen you do some work, which I think is pretty interesting, is is, I forget what meeting it was, but there's a meeting. You printed out the agenda, which, folks, if you haven't listened to any of our podcasts, you know that's not unusual for managers. We'll say you print out the agenda, you take your notes on the printed out agenda. And if you have to share it with people, you just take your handwritten notes on the printed agenda and you email them to folks. The interesting thing that I saw you do was you printed it out, and then you had a bunch of notes on the agenda prior to the meeting yeah. with specific comments about particular people on particular agenda topics. Yeah. People don't use agendas, and so they're at a disadvantage, and people wonder why their meetings aren't on time and so on. Well, dude, you're not prepared. What part of your life for which you're not prepared goes swimmingly? None. Um, so, yeah, you print out the agenda. And by the way, you space it out differently you spread it out so that the bottom item on the on the front page is the close of the meeting. And then based on how much time you think each item is going to take, and it should be right there on the agenda, you give 
more or less white space to different topics. And then before you walk into the room, I mean, it's it's five minutes first thing in the morning when you finish email or for all of your meetings, or it's two minutes before you walk into the room and you've got a pre-printed agenda on paper with a pen and you've made some notes like make, you know, remind Bob before the meeting that he has to agree to review the budget next quarter or uh, remind Charlie to tell uh, Amanda that what she did last week was really helpful because you're trying to build up Amanda right now, whatever. You make notes about what you want to have happen with individuals before the meeting. So it's not just about topics. It's also about individuals. Then, by the way, that's written down in advance. And then you take notes of the meeting on your piece of paper. And as Mike said, then you take a picture of it with your phone and you text it or email it to everybody. And now you have key points. And you, you say, wait, Mark, that would mean that some of the prep you had written down would be obvious to other people. Yeah, for the people on my team, why wouldn't I want it to be obvious that I'm prepared for a meeting? It only took me two minutes. Um, oh, you mean you actually asked Charlie to support or Bob to support Amanda? Yeah, I did. I thought she needed it, and I thought she needed to hear it from somebody other than me. And I asked, and he said yes. Oh, that's very Machiavellian of you. <laughs> well, if you believe you can see into my heart and you think me asking somebody to publicly thank somebody else is Machiavellian, you have no idea how Machiavellian Machiavelli could be. So, gee, I thought it was just doing a nice thing for somebody and asking somebody else to help out. But these are how things go. I don't know if you've heard, but Manager Tools will be visiting Detroit soon. September 24th and 25th, we'll be holding our first ever Manager Tools conferences in the Motor City. If you're interested in joining us for our Effective Manager or Effective Communicator conferences, this is the perfect time to register. Visit us today at manager-tools.com forward slash training to guarantee yourself a seat. Okay, so let's get to the next uh, the next point. Uh, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts. If you're a leader... We don't suggest that you facilitate your own meetings. Give it to your number two. Give them experience in facilitating the meeting. Instead yeah. of facilitating, then you can lead. You can do it, but it's much harder to lead and facilitate at the same time. Yeah. Um, facilitation is absolutely a necessary part of good meetings, but it's one of three key responsibilities for a meeting that's yours. So when we, and when we say facilitate, we mean the tasks detailed in our effective meetings, get out of jail free, Hall of Fame podcast. Pre-publish the agenda, arrange the location, start on time, set ground rules, enforce the agenda, use a parking lot, fix responsibilities, blah, 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 finish on time, publish notes. This is what most managers spend most of their time or cognition, if you will, doing during meetings assuming that they have an agenda. But there are two other things which everyone takes for granted and nobody ever talks this way about meetings, but since meetings are expensive, I think a lot about them. Um, the second thing you're gonna do as a meeting attendee is contribute content, okay? And there are many managers who spend their time here, 
you as the boss want to share your ideas, you want to argue points of view, disagree, make points, correct mistakes, provide new ways of looking at things. Nothing wrong with that. Totally support that. And the third thing you want to be doing is developing and evaluating your team. You're going to watch how your team interacts, who listens well, who pipes up on everything, who doesn't add to the conversation at all, whom is most respected, who is least respected, who is least listened to, who is least paid attention to, who is most looked at. Yeah, most managers are familiar with the first two, right? Facilitating the meeting and contributing content. But the number of folks that use the meeting to develop and evaluate their team is a small segment of managers and leaders. Yeah. I think most people, most individual contributors worry about number two, contributing content. If you're really an effective manager, you move on to the first one, which is facilitating the meeting, but it's the third one where the real value is, right? Um, And the first two are easily done. You can have somebody else facilitate the meeting and you can prepare a little bit so you know what you want to say. Um, If you're going to have the attention to worry about the most valuable of the three of those, developing and evaluating your team, you're going to have to stop doing one of the three. So we'll combine dropping the managerial behavior of facilitation. And by the way, we're going to be a leader and delegate that to one of our people, perhaps serially, first to John and then to Roberto and then to Julia, okay? And we're going to really focus on developing and evaluating. And, And look, If you really want to take this to the next level, combine this point with the previous point about prepping per person, you can ask certain of your directs to provide the content that you might want to provide in in some cases. In other words, you're not going to say anything because somebody else is saying what you want to say. By the way, I did this a number of years ago and I discovered something. I discovered that a portion of the value of what I had to say was my role power. I didn't care for it very much. I thought, why would it make a difference whether I said it or somebody else said it? I wasn't stupid enough to think that everybody thought that the words coming out of my mouth were golden honey, but I had this experience of when I told somebody who worked for me, I want you to bring this up and here's the point I want you to make. And I want you to be really crisp about it. Um, And they said pretty much what I would have said. Everybody else debated. When I said it, people were like, oh, yeah, that's really good, which, of course, reminds me of the FedEx commercial where the, where the boss repeats exactly what somebody had just said. And after somebody had just said it, nobody really glommed onto it. But when the boss said it, it was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. It was a hand movement, I think, was the, was the key thing. Yeah. Yes, there was some hand movement, yes, and a certain quaffed hairdo. Um, yeah, so... Asking your directs to provide content, having them see how they do with a good idea, at least in your mind, interacting, mixing it up with their peers. And now, if you've got them talking about the points you want to make and someone else is running the meeting, you can really spend time evaluating, being a leader and developing and evaluating your team. The furthest place you can get away from the fulcrum on the, the lever is better right? The easier it is to make a difference. And content is level one or first order of magnitude. Facilitation is second order of magnitude. And 
developing and evaluating your folks is third order magnitude. And that's where you want to be. Before you go, folks, we want to give a shout out to our long-term licensee, Gary Slinger. Gary writes periodically to keep us posted on what he's doing. I'm pretty sure he's in Tampa, Florida, um, in the IT space. And um, Gary's been with us since the very beginning. He was one of the first 10 or so licensees all those years ago and has never let his license lapse. Uh, and I'll say it again, Gary, thanks for your support over the years. And uh, send us a note and tell us how you're doing. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this one up in the following week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. So long.